It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Remember, when you get in your car in the morning, when you're going home from work, whenever it is, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals, and it'll pull us up on whatever podcast app you use. Could be Himalaya, could be iTunes, could be Google, could be Spotify. It'll play the the Lockdown Bengals Podcast to keep you company on your car ride. So get in the habit. Jake, do you have a uh, smart device in your car? I have a phone. Does that count? Is it? That's not what they're talking about. I think that's they're talking exactly about like exactly the new... what they're talking about. Because people these days, Joe, have Bluetooth connected. Yeah. Like everybody's phone is essentially tied to their car. You tell your phone to play it; it's going to play it through the car. That's right. Or if you have an auxiliary cord, yeah. Because I was going to say I can't like speak to my phone. That's I mean not my phone, my car. Can you just speak to your car and have it? I can, but I don't. I, I don't like the... I, I've never met a car who had voice commands that I liked. I've heard my friends say, like, hey, car, call whatever, and that right, sort of exactly. works, but I, and that's I haven't why tried I it much in my car. You can do, like, yeah, I, you can do it to your phone, say, okay, Google, play the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and it will do that for you. Well, I mean, shit, my phone's trying to go now. Never mind. Yeah, there it goes. I think this is talking about phones, not cars cars are not smart devices you hook up your smart device to your car and then Mm -hmm. yes so uh we're gonna start a feature today and it's not the dungeons and dragons thing that's we're not ready for that but that poll is almost done we should probably look at those results shall we yeah it should be done right about as of we're speaking huh if not now, by the time it comes out, it got very close. It looks like it's Assassin at 35% and Dedicated Fist Fighter at 34%. Man, so we'll, we'll keep those it could be mind. swung. Yeah. We'll, How we'll many keep, votes? It's, it's, it's uh, final results, 350 total votes. Okay. Yep. So we'll make a choice there. We've yep. got some pretty clear preferences. But uh, we're not starting that today. We are starting today to catch up. We're, we're counting down to Bengals kickoff, which uh, as of the time of this recording is 83 days away, I believe. And we missed a bunch of numbers in doing so. And what we're going to do is for now, since we're catching up, we're going to go through the first four guys we missed and we'll, we'll get more into this as we go. Uh, the first four guys on the Bengals roster from 99 to 96 that we missed, and these are guys that everybody knows well. Right. 99, Andrew Billings, 98, Ryan Glasgow, 97, Geno Atkins, and 96, Carlos Dunlap. Two of the best players on the team, two very strong role players. So starting from Andrew Billings, he is in his fourth year. Isn't that crazy? Because he missed the first year. He missed the first year. He's only 24 years old. Yeah, he was super young coming out. That's right. I forgot about that. Right. So he's young, and he's really only started one full year. For comparison, Vernell Wren, who is a rookie, is 23. Yeah. Mm. 
So that's not what you want to hear. Well, I mean, who cares, right? But it tells you that Andrew Andrew Billings is young. This is true. And, uh, you know, last year being his, his best year and his most snaps, 632 snaps for a defense that played 1,120 snaps about that. that that's, a, you know, 55 to 60% of the snaps. That's pretty good for him. Largely a run defender, 341 snaps to pass rush, 291. That's basically he was in there. 4-3 defense as their nose tackle. And I think for a nose tackle, he had respectable pass rushing prowess. He had 24 yes. pressures. He ended up with three sacks, 17 hurries, four other QB hits. So he graded out, you know, he actually graded out, I think, above average for pro football focus as a pass rusher, just looking at it, eyeballing it. But he, he's not he's not a three-tech. For right. nose tackle, he gives you a little bit of something in the pass rush just because of the raw power, I think. Yeah, and he was fifth on the defense for defensive stops, okay, with 25. And considering the amount of snaps he played, that's pretty good. Vigil led the way. Then you have Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, two guys we'll talk about. They had 29 28, respectively. And then Sean Williams at 27. But right after him was Andrew Billings. There you go. And considering Billings has some tackle radius issues, that's that's pretty good. That means he's penetrating, disrupting. He's yeah. at He's catching the ball carrier. Yes, and what we're talking about with tackle radius issues is something that we saw in college at Baylor. Uh, he's he's short, he's wide, he has he has some agility issues. He also doesn't have the longest arms. So when he gets close to a guy, it's, your tackle radius could be as far as you reach your arms from your body, but it could also be how much can you explode left, right, um, horizontally uh, with some agility, some explosion, and make that tackle maybe outside of your reach, just within um, hands length to a little bit outside of it. And Billings is really tight, really short tackle radius. So guys will a lot of times run through his gap to his right or to the gap to his side, and he can barely get an arm out there and barely touches the guy. So he may only have four missed tackles, but I think it's because he doesn't get to a lot of tackles. Yeah. Instead of like those six, five nose tackles that just plug space and just, uh, you know, you run by them, they're going to wrap you up. He's yeah. not that guy. It's it's like Joe Mixon didn't have a ton of forced missed tackles last year, last year because he ran by guys while guys were running by Billings without getting a quote-unquote tackle attempt. Also worth noting that if, if you change direction in front of Billings, he's not going to change direction with you very right. well and stop you. That's the only thing you didn't right. mention, I think. Yeah, we've seen Geno Atkins in space. Like, uh, you know, a quarterback gets out there and Atkins can well, stay with those guys. Well, we're going to talk about Geno. I was just going to compare to Billings, where Billings in that same role would be a much different type of player, even though they're both about 6'1 or so. Billings has easily 30 pounds on him, I think. Uh, that you, know, you can see the difference that makes. The next player on the list is a player who really showed up last year and played very well in limited playing time, and that's Ryan Glasgow, who's playing a little bit of three-tech for the Bengals, but probably his skill set is more suited to nose tackle, even if his build is not. He's two inches taller than Geno Atkins. He weighs the same, or at least he's listed at the same weight, 300 pounds. Third year out of Michigan. Yeah, he's a little bit taller, a little bit longer than both Billings and, and Atkins. Uh, he only played 92 snaps in three games, which is actually pretty good. You're playing 30 snaps a game. That's uh, a decent clip. Uh, that that final game versus the Panthers was one of his best career games, and it was just before he got hurt that drive, he made about four plays in a row that are really high level. I thought he was turning the corner and becoming a uh, really solid contributor for them. And I think if he comes back and if he's healthy, the injury happened early enough in the year that he could, uh, that's their third defensive tackle, and he's not a bad one. 
He was injured before Carl Lawson, who we'll get to much later in this series, but Lawson played seven games before he tore his ACL. Glasgow played three. He was the second highest graded Bengals defender. Of course, that's on a very limited sample size. He also, he was he was on pace for, I would say, about 500 snaps in the season just to compare to Billings, and I think Billings would have been closer to 500 as well if Glasgow was healthy the whole year. Yeah. And when you think about it, he had five. I mentioned the 25 defensive stops for Billings. Uh, Glasgow had five in his 90 snaps, which is a pretty good clip also. Both guys were making a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage. They were disruptive. Glasgow in particular was very good in the run game. Yeah. So going into the 2019 season, both of these guys could be very valuable role players for the Bengals. And if either takes a step... Well, then you have a really solid nose tackle to go along with Geno Atkins on those rundowns, on those downs when they're not in nickel personnel. Neither of them offer a ton of pass rush upside, and you're probably going to want to get them off the field in passing situations. Right, and that's the thing. So their, their snaps are probably limited to maybe 700 total snaps between the two of them. And if that's the case, uh, like we saw Billings had 640 last year, we may see Billings a little bit less this year, Glasgow a little bit more, and I don't know how that split will go, but it could be pretty even. And I think they're more comfortable keeping Glasgow out there in passing situations, but we'll have to see how the new staff deploys these guys because we've gotten so used to the way Marvin Lewis's staff has deployed right. defensive interior players that we really have no idea what to expect. The next player on the list is, well, the next two guys, we can kind of group them together. We'll talk about them individually, but yeah. 97, Geno Atkins, 96, Carlos Dunlap, the two foundational pieces, 10-year pros on the Bengals' defensive line from the SEC, Georgia, of course, Geno Atkins, and Carlos Dunlap coming out of Florida. They're the guys that are leading the team in sacks every year. They're making big plays in the running game. They are defining the Bengals' defensive line. And the only thing, the only criticism, criticism I think they'll get is that they can disappear. And we'll go through stretches of games where people are, where's Geno Atkins or where's Carlos Dunlap? But I still think they're two of the best players. I agree. Uh, they're giving you 800 snaps a game. I think it's a little much for both guys. I mean, I, didn't, I don't mean a game. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. For the season, 800 snaps. So I think you could cut them down a little bit, get them in the 700 range, and maybe freshen them up a little. The problem is that you haven't had great depth behind behind either guy in what they do and how good they do it that it's hard to do just that and get them off the field and save them for the important parts. Especially at this point in their careers, right? They're both on the other yeah. side of 30 at this point. Carlos Dunlap in his career probably averages close to 900 snaps a game, at least since 2013 when he started being a full-time player. His first three now years you just said a part-time player. What you I said say? a game also. I, I meant to. Oh, I said a game. I meant a year. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see what you. I'm with I you. I, I see what I did there. <laughs> so he's averaged about 900 snaps a year since 2013. His play has been very steady on a year-to-year basis. He's been, for the most part, a very good run defender with, and he's been an above-average pass rusher. And 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 I think, yeah, I was going to say he bats a lot of passes. Yeah, I was, I was just going there next, and he leads the world in batted passes for the for his career, essentially. Yeah, that's almost a sack. You know, if you think about it, you're killing an offensive play on the spot, and a lot of them turn into interceptions. And I mean, a lot, maybe like if he had out of his last 30, I wouldn't be surprised if four of them turned into interceptions. I could think of one by Perfect, a couple by Vinny Ray. Uh, they These are good things you want to bat passes or tip balls. Yeah, and you can think back to the, the time that the Bengals beat Aaron Rodgers a few years ago. It wasn't yeah. Carlos Dunlap. It was Michael Johnson, but it was a tip pass that won him the game. 
I bet more tip balls end up in the defender's hands than the offensive guy's hands. Yeah, most of them end up on the ground. Yes, but I just mean if you were to take a out of 50 of them, if five of them end up in the defender, two end up in the, in the receiver's hands or different guy's hands? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, if it's the Bengals, it's probably closer to even because, you know, the ball doesn't bounce the Bengals <laughs> way very <laughs> often. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the point stands. It's at the very least a bad pass is as good as a, a sack for no gain, right? Right. A tackle for no for, for no gain. That's pretty good. Geno Atkins, of course, is the Pro Bowl player, the All Pro on the Bengals defense. He has been elite throughout his career, really breaking out big time in his second year, and then his third year was the best player, arguably uh, the best defensive player in football in 2012. Geno Atkins has been targeted in coverage three times. Do you know that he's given up two receptions? <laughs> God damn it, Geno! I know. Get it Twelve yards total on those two receptions. Though. God damn! What are you doing, Gino? In his career, he also only has six batted passes. I don't think Gino Atkins is very good, Joe. Carlos Dunlap had eight last year, so he's much better, obviously. Gino Atkins has been phenomenal for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2012. In that career year I mentioned, he had 16 sacks in addition to another. Let's see, math is hard. 66. Other pressures? Yeah, and this is going by pro football focus, so they don't count half sacks. And I agree with them on their definition here. If you get to the quarterback and someone else does too, why should you be discredited? Right, you get a sack. So if you look at it, his career has gone 5, 9, 16, 6, 4. Remember he had that injury. uh, 15, 10, 10, 9. That's extremely consistent. Remarkable consistency in the last few years especially. He did have... A bit of a decline in terms of a per-snap productivity basis for both pass rushing and run defense in 2018. So we'll see this year. We'll get a better idea of if that's age or if that's the talent around him. Because he did come out of the come out of the gates pretty strong. His first five games of the year were all pretty good. He had a he had a real stinker against Pittsburgh, and and that is a bit unusual for him. Yeah, um, he he's been pretty good against Pittsburgh throughout his career, but. That game individually, in addition to a game against Cleveland, really kind of weighs down his entire season and brings him closer to very good instead of elite. Weird trend in his tackling scores on PFF. If you look, they have declined in almost a, a progression or or the opposite of a progression, but a fall here. 74, 70, 75, 74, his first four years. 64, 61, 48, 61, 38. Uh, that's that lateral agility it must be you know starting to go as he gets older. Well, and he did have the a- ACL injury right. as well, so that is I'm sure a contributing factor. But it also shows up on tape. You used to see Geno Atkins flash across yep. the face of a guy trying to reach block him, and then it just yep. it never worked. Asking someone to reach block Geno Atkins was was putting Silly. a bomb in your play design. It was just dumb. And I uh, remember noting and now last it might work year a little bit. Yeah, I remember noting last year he maybe did it twice where he flashed across the guy and, and had a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And then Christian Ringo came in and had two in a game. And people were like, oh, that guy looks spry. And it got him, for the first time, I wondered, maybe Atkins doesn't have that part of his game. But he's still super strong and has great moves for a, a pass rusher. Yeah, the leverage is still there. The diagnostic skills are still there in terms of the, the, the intelligence part of the game. He's still, I think got to be uh, one of the better defensive tackles in, in NFL. However, it is worth noting he's 31, and yep. uh, age always wins. 
that's why I definitely like to get him down to 650 snaps or so, really just mostly as a pass rusher. He doesn't need to be out there. The thing about that is they need people behind him that it's like, oh, Gino's off the field. How many of those drives turn into touchdowns when Gino misses the first five plays of the drive? Yeah, it's it's, it's ugly. Yep. And that's why you need Glasgow and Billings to take another step. If they do, and those two are out there in your base 4-3 and early drives, maybe they can keep Atkins a little more fresh. Maybe Ronell Wren can get in there. These are all hopes. It's a young group behind them. Hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. We're going to take a quick break. Remember that the podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. You don't get a Blue Chew Joe special today, but as they are a long-term sponsor now of the Locked On NFL Network, I'll give them a quick shout-out before we go to a commercial break, and we'll come back with, Joe, you have a special segment plan, don't you? I do. I've got a little uh, projections for the 2019 season, individual players on the Bengals. We'll see if you agree or disagree with the two of us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jake and Joe are here, and I've got some projections, and this is from a guy that I uh, I do my own projections, and I'll, I'll get to that at some point, but this is from Mike Clay. He used to work for PFF, I think NBC Sports. Now he's with ESPN. Does a lot of their fantasy stuff, but he's really good for a broad uh, spectrum, and they honestly, an honest look at your team. It kind of it humbles you every time. But he has grades for every unit on the Bengals roster. He's got uh, win probabilities for every game. He's got a projected depth chart. So it's really good. Now, this is from the end of May. So we're behind a little bit. But I think uh, he'll he'll probably update it one more time right before fantasy drafts. But I, I was just looking at some of these numbers. And he has the Bengals projected or at least favored in four games, close in maybe another two games. So we're looking at four to seven wins. So he's on probably the low side here. But it gives you a perspective. He really only thinks the running backs and the receivers are uh, top half of the league unit. The rest is all bottom half. So I think that's, you know, maybe on the harsh side. But I want to look at some of the individual numbers here, Jake. Get your take on whether you think this is sounds about right for the projection or you think this is much lower or, or maybe like, you know, maybe give a little more. Would you take this? Do you think, you know, this is a, a good outlook for this? And we'll start at quarterback. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. All right. We'll start with Andy Dalton. So he's got him playing all 16 games and Ryan Finley playing one game. So he must come in for some mop up duty at some point, but he's got Andy Dalton throwing 552 times completing 353 passes. Okay. So what that equals out to be is 4,004 yards. 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, being sacked 35 times. Now, and he's only got Ryan Finley completing 6 of 11 and taking one sack and rushing for one yard. So nothing for Ryan Finley, really. So Andy Dalton playing all 16 and having a decent year, but I think a little bit down. What do you think? 21 touchdowns seems low. I agree with 21 touchdowns being low. He threw 21 touchdowns in 11 games last year. The last time he threw, I mean, he did have, I was going to say it it would be an anomaly for his career, but he did have 2016 when he played 16 games and threw only 18 touchdowns in 2014 when he played 16 games and threw only 19 touchdowns. But in in every other year, it's 25, 25, 33, 27. Like he's generally a 25 to 28 touchdown player. I was looking at analytics the other day and it said the Bengals had above expected. They scored touchdowns more often than they were supposed to. And I think it equaled out to be eight more touchdowns. They were over their expected output. Okay. 
So just thinking of last year, you know, and their passing output was a little bit higher than it should have been. Based on what? That doesn't tell me anything. I need. I don't understand the context of the stat. It is basically how many drives you get, how many snaps you get, um, how much time of possession, how efficient your passing offense is, things like that. And based on, you know, obviously years of data, it should say, well, you should throw for 25 touchdowns if you only had 900 and something snaps of, of passing or a, a total in 500 passing offense or whatever and this efficiency yada 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 you should only have 25 touchdowns oh your team had 30 so you're above you're five above what should have been expected i I don't think that stat tells me very much but maybe i just don't understand it fully i think that's a stat to be a stat based on my understanding of it as you've explained it okay and so i'm saying our regression is more than likely for a couple guys and you'll see as we get to the receiver so 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 he had he had it well say the say the full stat line again okay so basically four thousand yards even 21 touchdowns 14 picks sacked 35 times he also ran for one that's more interceptions than he's thrown in the last four years that's fewer touchdowns that's fewer yards wait no you said four thousand yards yeah four thousand that's the one that seems a little generous but you have to remember that we're going to a different offense that might produce more yards i don't know yeah that's what i thought too i I don't think it's that far off but yeah the touchdowns are probably low and i think the interceptions are a little bit high I feel like if you took two interceptions off and put two touchdowns on 23 and 12, I'd be like, okay, we're probably in a right range if he's a ball control offense type. That's and closer to his career averages, yeah. Right. That's what I they, So he's expecting them to struggle a little bit more in this new offense. So I'm going to go on to running back then, okay? Okay, yeah. 15 games for Mixon and Bernard, Travion Williams being the third guy. So Mixon getting 270 carries for 1,220 yards. Eight touchdowns. But the the good part here is the uh, 65 targets in the receiving game. 51 catches, 368 yards, and a touchdown. So nine total touchdowns. That's really about, uh, what's that, 1,600 yards? Yeah. So in 2018, he played in 14 games, had 237 carries for 1,168 yards. So he's saying his his yards per carry are going to go down. He's saying that his touchdowns, he said eight. That's the same thing he had last year. Yep. And he's said 55 targets. Well, he had 55 targets last year, too. 65 oh, targets, 65. 51 catches. Okay, so, I mean, you project out two more games. It's probably close to 65. He only played 14 games last year and the same amount of touchdowns. So it's, it's essentially very, he's very got similar stat. 15 games, but yes. Okay. So only projecting one more. But yes, very close. We're splitting hairs Very similar stat line for Mixon. I think that Mixon is in position to have a better year than that. I agree. And see, this is why I think – I wonder if it's the fan in me that, that believes this. But I do think Mixon, if any of them, if I were to put a bet, a chip on one of these guys to like really be like focal point, center point, stardom, uh, pro bowl out of this offensive group, I'd put it on Joe Mixon. If he plays 15 games, I, yeah. I think, I think he'll I – think, I don't see his yards per carry diminishing that much. I think he's looking at it as the offensive line, right? And saying, well, the offensive line is poor. Jim Turner has had mixed results. I agree. Right. And that's why I I feel the same way. I think he can still be productive with a bad O-line. Yeah. He he rips off big carries. He'll he'll routinely, and he had 11 of them last year, he'll routinely bust off 20-plus yard runs. Yep. You interested in Geos? Yeah, let's talk about Geos. 75 attempts only. That's more than last year. Yeah, it is, I know. 313 yards rushing, two touchdowns. 
They got him also for 54 targets. So what we've got here is, what is that, 110 almost targets total, 42 catches, uh, and nearly 300 yards at 297 and a touchdown. So that's a lot of receiving production from the running back position. Yeah, I think something's got to give there. I don't think there are enough targets for the, for the running backs in this offense. It's definitely going to come from the receivers when we get that far. Yeah, and I don't really see that happening either. I think I think I that comparing them to the Rams are going to be fewer targets for their running backs because they're going to use the tight ends. You think instead of what the Rams do, they're going to use their tight ends a little more. Right. Hmm. How yeah, many more of that. these do we got? Do we have to go faster? I'm going to go a little faster now. I'm going to pick okay. it up with receiver now, okay? All right. So all, he's got 16 games for all three of the top receivers. We'll just do the top three. Okay. Targets. The leader in targets, A.J. Green, with 141 targets. That is a lot. Yeah, they're saying feed him the ball. So 85 catches, 1,248 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think if he gets 100, what was it? 100 what? T- 141. How many times has he eclipsed that? Do you, you've probably got his stats on there, right? I, I, can, I can find out. Okay, because I was going to say, I think he was on pace in 2016, and he may have been on pace last year early on, and then it kind of dipped off a little bit. But uh, I, I, he may have only eclipsed that one other time in his career. So in 2013, A.J. Green had 180 targets. Wow. So that's a lot. In 2012, he had 168. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two years he's had more than 140. He had 134 in 2017, 131 in 2015, 122 his rookie year. When he was injured in 2016, he had 95 targets. And in 2018, he had 77, and he missed about half the year. For so both of those. In both of those seasons, he would have gotten there, I think. Yeah. So it's not too crazy, then. So if he has 140 targets, he thinks he's only going to catch 80-something of those? 85. I guess that would be more like 2017 than the rest of his career. Generally, he has a better catch rate than that. Yeah. And he's saying how many yards? 1,248, so basically 1,250. Yeah, again, that would be, I guess his last three years, that's closer to his last three years. If you take his first five years, that seems very conservative for that amount of targets. Well, we should probably look at the last three based on his age and and the other guys behind him. We so, should, but if he stays healthy the whole year, I don't know. Right. I just, I feel, you know, maybe, I know. that that's that's definitely the fan of me thinking he can still right. be what he was when he was younger. Right. Next guy, Tyler Boyd, 113 targets, 79 receptions, 994 yards, and only four touchdowns. Yeah. How does that compare to last year? Does that seem right? That, that's that's all within the realm of possibility, right? He had 108 targets last year for just over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. Yeah. I guess yeah, right. And they, if unless, they were a little high in the touchdown range, then yes, then maybe a little regression there. Yeah, I mean, unless he becomes a superstar, that sounds pretty reasonable for Tyler Boyd. I agree. So John Ross is next. 59 targets, yeah. which I think is, is kind of low in this offense. Uh, the same as he had last year, which I'm oh, sure really? he, That's funny. To, he had 58. <laughs> you know, it's one right. off. Right, he's got him playing 16 games, which is the most important part here, I guess. <laughs> 27 receptions, 311 yards, only three touchdowns, down from seven. That's very similar production to last year, except I think I, I do think that if, if John Ross gets red zone, is that a motorcycle? <laughs> I do think if John Ross, I'm just going to leave it in. We're leaving it in. We're doing it live. I think if John Ross gets red zone targets, he he will produce more than three touchdowns. I agree. 
it's just but a also matter think... of whether he'll get the targets. He's a proven weapon in the red zone, and, and that's yeah. been consistent, and we're hearing that in the practices too. I don't think his efficiency will continue to be so low also. You hope um, not. Right. It's just based on other past guys that have gotten out of the, the bus bucket, their efficiency grew in that in year three um, to at least the point of being at least 50%. So I would think a few more catches from him if he gets to 30, that would make sense to me. Yeah, so maybe he catches 30, 35 balls and, and goes for 500 yards instead. Yeah, maybe even 400 and something yards yeah. and four touchdowns and, you know, matches Boyd as the number two for touchdowns. I could see that happening. Sure. So nothing really to speak about for Erickson and Core then, and we'll move on. Uh, to tight end, Tyler Eifert leading the way, playing 13 games, which oh. is amazing. Yeah. I know. I'll take it. Sign me up. So he's saying, like, you know, it's it's the one odd year. It's the it's – the, um, What's it's the leap year here? He's got he's gonna play thirteen, so he's got fifty nine targets, forty three catches, pretty good efficiency there, five hundred twenty yards and four touchdowns. I, it feels wrong. That feels low, right? Well, the the targets and yards feel fine. The touchdowns feels low. Again, if I think Tyler we're Eifert, touchdowns. Yeah, if Tyler Eifert plays thirteen games, he's gonna score only four touchdowns. Well, this is if they're bad. Yeah, I mean, they. I guess the games he played last year, they mostly won. He only played like three and a half games last year. He had two touchdowns, and he was being featured in that Atlanta game. He definitely would have, well, definitely is a strong word, but it was a shootout. I believe Tyler Eifert would have scored again. What was his other touchdown? I remember the one in Atlanta up the seam. I, I can't recall. Sorry, okay. he only had one touchdown. <laughs> I, I was looking right, at the wrong column. That's, sorry, that's, I didn't mean to call you out there and, and fact nope, check you. That was uh, good. I just, memory wise. We need okay, so checks. CJ. Uzama next, 22 targets, 15 catches, 147 yards, and he gets a touchdown, which is okay, fine. Love. Number two. But Drew Sample, all right, so playing all 16 games, 11 targets, 7 catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. So very, very minimal production for Drew Sample. I think all of those numbers are going to go up, at least in terms of targets, and that's going to come away from the running backs. Yeah, he's got the running backs being heavy in targets, and that's if the Rams' offense is a full, like, you know, copy-paste here to Cincinnati. And I think you can do that to an extent, but you have to say, well, they have different weapons in different areas, Tyler Eifert being mainly uh, the one, right? Yeah, and they, they just have such an investment at the tight end position. They they went out and made sure they brought Uzama back, and then they drafted Sample in the second round. They have plans for these guys. They block with a, a lot in that Rams offense. And that's the only thing with sample being one of the best blockers in this draft is do, is that really like the goal is to maybe Eifert's a more of a, a receiver and samples just going to be there to pick up those blocks on these play action passes. I'm doing the play action piece right now for the athletic. And it's crazy how often the tight end is not going on a route on these. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's just not going out there. So uh, Randy Bullock, he has a Randy Bullock year. There is some defensive stats I'll just run through real quick. Nothing too crazy. Atkins getting seven sacks. Uh, Billings and Glasgow basically splitting snaps, 430 to 420 with Glasgow leading a little bit. Uh, Dunlap with seven sacks. Sam Hubbard with, with four and a half. I guess you can count that any way you want. Uh, Lawson with five. So Nick Vigil leading the way with snaps and tackles at linebacker. William Jackson Drake Kirkpatrick, he's got B.W. Webb behind Darius Phillips, which I don't think will happen. I even nope. could see Webb eating in a Darquez Denard snap. He's got Denard yep. with 718 snaps, and Webb with just 52 as a complete like depth signing. That, and I just don't think that's that's right. But uh, yeah, based they, on what we've heard, B.W. Yeah. Webb is going to play. 
yeah, somewhere they'll find a way, I think, to rotate more than they probably have before. And then Jesse Bates, Sean Williams, both with 1,000 snaps, both with 100 tackles. Um, interceptions, four for Williams, three for Bates, uh, one and a half for Kirkpatrick and Jackson. So that's pretty much in line with what they were. Nothing too crazy on the defensive side. I think this is what happens with these projection systems a lot. You see this more in baseball, and I assume that Mike Clay has a pretty similar model to what some of the baseball projection systems use is you see a lot of conservatism and a lot of it's going to be very similar to the year before because right. i mean why wouldn't it be right it's it it's, can't predict the outliers right it can't predict the crazy no and it's not i don't think there's a heavy hand of human intervention correcting things that seem off but what uh, would you need to do that though to really create a model you would need like somebody that writes or could project each team accurately and have them just come nitpick that team right yeah yeah, and and that person, whoever it is, would be a fan or or a beat writer, and you need right. somebody in between. You need you need like an analyst who's going to be, and that person doesn't really exist. There, you there need a, are, Jake, a Jake Lisko. That's who that is. But we're not we're not objective. We try. Excuse me, sir. Speak for yourself here. I am known no. for objectivity. No, <laughs> stopping me up. <laughs> I, I'm not going to speak for myself. We're the same at this. We both yeah. try our best to be objective, but we're fans of the team regardless. That's true. That Can't is what it stop is. It. And that's why I like these sometimes because I, I, I come away and I go, man, this guy is um, highly respected. He's normally pretty close on these. Honestly, I, I've matched mine with his and go, damn, you are just a little shade conservative. And then the Bengals, and we look at the end of the year and I'm like, he was closer than I was. Am I just a little too positive sometimes? Imagine that, listeners. Joe Goodberry is too positive in his projections of the Cincinnati Bengals. Just, just, just marinate with that for a little bit while you think about how negative you might think he is if you're one of those people. He's more positive than the reality of the Bengals football team. Just sit with that. Don't do this. No? No. I think people are going to be like, come on, get out of here. I'm because just saying. I'm just saying. There's levels of fandom. There's there's guys I think they could win the Super Bowl this year, even if it's a point zero 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 one percent chance, right? Is it even that? But and then there's people that think this is a two and fourteen team because of the ineptitude that is woven throughout the franchise. I just I don't see that. I still think I'm sticking to six to ten wins until I have reason to not. If Andy Dalton gets hurt at some point, then then sure I'll say two and fourteen. Yeah, based on the last four years, you almost got a 50-50 chance. Of him being I'll, hurt? You'll roll the dice on any player here. You got a 50-50 chance, I feel like. Maybe that's really the problem with the Bengals. If you want to pick the thing that the Bengals are the worst at, it's staying healthy. Andy Dalton has injury issues. A.J. Green has injury issues. Geno Atkins has not really injury issues, but he's now 31. They, everyone's uh, been injured. The linebackers have injury issues. The cornerbacks have injury issues. Yeah, Boyd's been injured, Ross has been injured, Eifert's been injured, Gio's all been the injured, best Mixon's been injured. All the best players on the team have recurring issues that they're dealing with or or a history of you know more than one injury. Carlos Dunlap, that's the only guy that I can really look at and yep. say, you know what, he's never really been out. He's never really suffered a major injury. Knock on wood. Sean Williams has not missed extended time either. He's been dinged up, and Jesse Bates is still young. So, you know, sure. you got those guys. Right, because I was going to say William Jackson, but yeah, he missed that first year. I forgot completely about that. 
And you know what? Let's just get Jonah Williams on the field. Let's get a first-round pick healthy for his rookie year. Let's get there. I don't even know what that's like anymore. Me neither. Man, we end up so negative. We're just so sad. I don't think it's that we're negative. I think it's that we're sad. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for some more countdown stuff, reviewing the the Bengals who have numbers close to the amount of days that remain until... Man. This is way too long of an explanation. I know. This is how the offseason feels. Countdown to kickoff. Countdown to kickoff resumes tomorrow. Remember to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals when you get in your car. You can find us on the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one.